With the help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Pei. We left off on Daf Pei on the Dalaf at the end of the second line from the top of the Amid. We learned yesterday in the Mishnah that our sages made a decree. Ein Megadlin We're not allowed to raise small domesticated animals, meaning lambs or goats, in Israel where people have fields and the like. And that was done, Mishum Yishu Veretz Yisrael. And as we spoke out to Toysavus, even if a person wants to raise them inside contained homes or barns, where the likelihood of them going out and grazing on other people's fields are diminished. And even though the person is saying that if they will indeed graze on other people's fields, I'll pay for the damage. But because of Yishu Veretz Yisrael, the Chachamim did not want people to raise them to begin with. To completely avoid a possibility of one's animals grazing and stealing other people's grass and property, etc. However, we did learn in Abraisa at the end of the Amit, that if there is a specific reason why people need those animals, for example, you're making a wedding, or 30 days before Yantiv, and you need to have animals for meat, for Suudas Yantiv, or for the Suudas Mitzvah of a wedding, there the Chazal gave us permission to be Masha, to detain those animals, 30 days prior to that specific event for which we need these animals. Continues the Gemara. Sha'alu Talmud of S. Rab Gamliel, the students of Rab Gamliel asked their Rebbe, asked Rab Gamliel, Ma'olegadol, are we allowed to raise, you know, small domesticated animals in Eretz Yisrael? Omar Lehem, to which he responded, Mutter, that one is permitted. Now obviously, this version of the story cannot be correct. Because Frekti Gemara, Rab Gamliel says you are allowed to raise Behema Daka. Bahatanan, we learned in our Mishnah, ain't the godland. You're not allowed to raise small domesticated animals. Now, obviously, the Mishnah is not Rab Gamliel. But on the other hand, Rebbe, who put the Mishnahis together, had Rab Gamliel indeed argued with the Tan of our Mishnah, Rebbe wouldn't have just written the Stam Mishnah. Rebbe would have written in the Mishnah that Rab Gamliel Aimer that Mutalagadol. The fact that the Rebbe omitted his opinion must mean that he did not opine the way we think he opined regarding can you be Megadol Behemadaka? Ella clarifies the Gemara. This is what they asked of him. Are you allowed to detain an animal? We're not speaking about people raising a herd of animals. We're speaking about a person who has a specific need, as we'll see in a moment, to have a goat. And here detaining is not like we learned yesterday, detaining an animal 30 days before the Chag, 30 days before Mishtabanoi. Here there was a person that for a specific reason wanted to indefinitely detain a small goat. And this is what they asked of him. To which he said, Mutter. And I was just speaking it out in a moment that we're speaking about a person who was ill. Obviously, not a Chayla Shiesh by Sakana person who, has, who was deathly ill, you know, aside of the three big Avedas, you have to live by keeping the mitzvahs. We're speaking about a person who was not deathly ill, but the doctors told the person that it will be better for you to drink every day goat's milk. And he wanted to keep again a goat indefinitely. To which Rabbi Gamliel says, you are allowed. However, he added the caveat, Ubelvad, Don't allow this goat to go graze out with the rest of your other large animals that you are allowed to own and to raise, you have to tie the goat, you have to tie the small animal to the legs of your bed. Interestingly, just to point out, even this permissibility is only shitas rab gamliel. The sages that we learned yesterday in the Braisa only allowed you to detain an animal 30 days before the wedding of your son, before Yantiv, and never longer. The only place where Rabbi Gamliel argues is in this specific case. To be Masha, not to, you're not raising it, you're not creating a whole flock, you're having one animal for a specific purpose, and you're tying it to the leg of your bed to make sure it doesn't go out, and it will, if it goes out, it will steal, it will eat from your neighbors. Rabbi Gamliel says that it was permitted. And now, Tanrabanan, the way that Ashba adds the letter Devav, Umaisa Bechasid. And now this story is a continuation of the din of Rab Gamliel that had happened with the Chassid, Echad. There was a very pious person, and as we'll see, pious meaning that he observed all of the mitzvahs. 
and all of the rabbinic mitzvahs. Shahoya Goinach Miliboy, he was groaning, he had a certain type of illness, the Sha'alulraifim, and they asked the doctors what could be done to make this person get better. For Amru any the doctors responded, Eloy Takana, Elo Shayinak Cholov Reseach, Mishachris Lushachris, that he has to drink every morning milk from a goat. So he needed the goat. That was the issue here. Problem is he lived in Eretz Yisrael. Ain the Gadlin Behemadaka. But he's not being the Gadl Behemadaka, you know, to have an Eder. He wants to have one goat. And and indeed they brought him the goat, and he tied it to the leg of his bed to make sure that it would never leave his home and it would never steal from his neighbors. And he was following doctor's orders. And he was drinking that milk every morning. Liyamim came a time shortly afterwards, Nichnus Luchaved of Levakra, his colleagues went to visit him. He was not well. Again, he was not a chaylash, yesh by sakana, but nonetheless, you have the mitzvah of Bikr Chaylam. Kivin Shiro, Oiseho, Eisk, Shura, Bekari, Amita, when they noticed that he has a goat tied to the legs of his bed, Chazrul Achireim, the Chachamim that went to visit him, they stood back. Ba'amr, when they said, Listen, Mizuyin, Bebeisle, Shalzeb, this person has an armed robber in his house. Because these small animals, when they go out to graze, they graze from whatever they see. And we're going to go visit him. So first they took a step back. And Yashvu, Batko, and these rabbis sat down and they began to examine the actions of this known chassid. And indeed, the only sin that they found in this great Jew was that because he was sick, that he violated Shitas Chachamim, even though he had Shitas Rab Gamliel to lean upon. But he didn't follow the, the majority opinion. And not only that, and this Chassid himself, before he was passing, as we have the concept of saying Vidui before passing, Omar, he said, I'm certain that the only sin that I, have, that I violated my whole life was that I owned for that time that I was sick, the behemoth daka, that I was masha. I only detained it and I tied it to the legs of my bed. And Rab Gamliel says you're allowed to do it, but Chachamim said not, and I violated the Chachamim. Continues the Gemara. Amar Rabbi Yishmael says, Rabbi Yishmael, we have here on the side, the Masayra Sashas, is Goyres, Amar Rabbi Shimon Shazuri, that mi balabatim shebegolil ho'elyin ho'yu beis abba, that my fathers are descendants from the Balabatim that lived in the upper Galil. And therefore, being that our family comes from there, we know why did that area get destroyed? What was their sin that ultimately led to the Churban? That they used to graze their animals in forests. Now we're going to learn in Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow that one of the ten Takanas that Yeshua made when he bequeathed or helped us inherit the land of Israel, was that people should have the rights to have their animals grazed, even in privately owned forests. So what was wrong with the people there allowing the animals to graze in Bechayrashen and other people's forests? The Gemara is going to explain in a moment. That was one thing that they did wrong. Number two, that when they had monetary cases, they used to have only one judge judging a case. Now, even though a yachid mumcha, an expert in a certain field, is allowed to judge by himself. Nevertheless, first of all, it's better to have a basin of three. Second of all, perhaps the, yach, the yachidim that were judging in Galil HaElyon, they were not known to be yachid mumchas. And number three, the afab, oh, now the Gemara clarifies what is wrong with them having their animals grazed in a forest, even though the forests were near their homes, so it makes their violation even less. It went from their houses to their forests. Nevertheless, that there was other fields, small fields belonging to other people, between their homes and the forest. And their animals going to the forest used to pass through other people's fields. And therefore, it was possible that their animals used to graze from that which does not belong to them. And ultimately, Beruchnius, 
That sin led to the physical destruction of Galul HaElyon. Tanarabanan, we learned in Abrais, that if a person is a shepherd and he owns not only large animals, which Chachamim allowed us to own, but he violated Divrei Chachamim and he owned small animals. And now he wants to do tshuva. So he has a large flock filled with sheep or filled with goats. So says the Braisa, The Chachamim won't tell him, well, you want to do tshuva? Sell all of your sheep, sell all of your goats. When a person does that, when other people know that the owner is under some sort of pressure to sell everything that he has, they take advantage of it. And he doesn't make a good, uh, he can't sell it for its real value. And we want to encourage people to do tshuva. The moment we make doing tshuva harder, especially when it comes to monetary loss, it disencourages people to do tshuva. So the Chachamim said, don't sell it right away. Elamoichet, al yad, al yad. Sell it, that's an expression, little by little. V'chein likewise, if a convert inherited either dogs or pigs, and as we learned yesterday in the Mishnah and more about the Zemir Tzashem today, that there are limits to what type of dogs you may own. And you cannot raise pigs. And here he inherited from his father either these dogs or those pigs. Now before we go on, really, by the letter of the law, being that a convert is kekotn shenei in other words, even though he has a biological father, halachically there is no connection. He should not inherit from his father. But here also, Chazal were afraid that if a person who converts, who later, you know, when the time comes, loses his father, his father passes away, and his father was wealthy, or not, but his father had something, and you're going to tell the convert, now that you're a gad, you can't inherit from your father, because you're not connected to him. He might react by saying, if that's the case, who needs the whole Yiddishkeit if I'm going to lose all this money? So not to, again, so to say, push a person away from Yiddishkeit, Chazal made many decrees that you should not lose out. So they allowed him to inherit from his father. And he's now inheriting dogs or pigs, and you're not allowed to own it, again, as we learned in the Mishnah, and more to be more clarified soon. So, we don't force him to sell it right away. He sells it little by little. No one knows he's in a rush to sell it. He can find the right buyer for each item individually. But well, you know, when you sell retail, you make more money for, for each individual item. V'chein, continues the b'raiso. If a person makes a vow to buy a home, and to get married, and he moves to Israel, and he made a vow, so you don't compel him. You made a vow, okay, right away buy the first house and marry the first woman. No. Little by little is a better way. You allow for him to find that which is appropriate to him. This goes both to the house and to the, and to the wife. You have to find the right neighborhoods. People rush into things. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out. And as you see today, and people of Mitzvah Yishev Eretz Yisrael, sometimes people go back. They're yoyed again because they rushed into a certain setting too quick for them that it did not work out for them. And I think Brisa continues, there was a story with a woman. Obviously, this woman was either a widow or a divorcee. She had children. One of her sons were causing her distress. The son was saying, Ma, come on, get remarried. And she couldn't take the harassment of her son. So to appease her son, the cuffs of the nishba, she jumped. In other words, she didn't think so much. She immediately swore, call me the next guy that comes, I will not turn him away. And the her who came to her to propose to her someone that was not appropriate for her. Now she made that shvua. When she came to the sages, they said, When she says she's going to get married, she meant she'll get married to someone appropriate. Ke'ilu, she doesn't even have to have a nullification of her oath. Her oath was that she'll get married. She's not going to push it off. But getting married doesn't mean you have to get married tomorrow to the first person that comes along. Continues the Just like the sages made this decree that you're not allowed to raise in Eretz Yisrael in areas where there are fields, goats, or and lambs, they also decreed, 
You're not allowed to raise small, undomesticated chayas, which are deers and foxes, for the same reasons. They're going to go out and they're going to destroy or they're going to eat property that belongs from others. And again, it's not about the theft, because the owner can always claim, if they'll do it, I'll pay. It's like Rashi said, it's because of the mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Sometimes I don't want to move into a neighborhood when I know that it's dangerous. Even if the people who might do Hezek will pay, I don't need it. So to promote Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, don't own it to begin with. And Teisvah says, don't even own it in your house, don't even own it in your barn. And like we learned the Chachamim, don't even detain it. The only exception was to have meat for a simcha, for a Sudas mitzvah simcha. Says the Gemara Rabbi Shmuel Oimer, continuing in the Braisa, the first white line, even though the Mishnah says you can't raise dogs, and as we learned Rashi in the Mishnah, because when dogs bite and bark, and they could cause a woman who is pregnant to miscarry, however, Megadlin Kalavin Kufrin, you are allowed to raise Kalavin Kufrin. So Rashi here gives two meanings to the words Kufrin. Either it means miniature dogs, I'm reading inside Rashi, Kalavim Kufriim Ketanim Vinaanasim Midgets, little dogs. Why little dogs? To say that they don't bark. Here, I live in Los Angeles. All the dogs you see over here. The Stama women are not afraid of them. Or, Rashi says another version that it means Kalavim Gedoilim Shal Tsayodim, large hunt dogs. It must be that the women, pregnant women, who are not going to be afraid of large hunt dogs. And that's just the way it is. So that's number one. In other words, the Chazal made a decree for a reason. Here, you have to always see whether the reason is applicable or not. We don't say loy plug. Wherever there is an exception, wherever there's no worry that the dogs can make women abort, you could have it. And Rabbi Shmuel says, you can, you can raise cats, a lot more of cats on Ahmed Bey's. Be fascinating. You can raise monkeys. And bush Weasels. You know, it's weasels that they uh, feed in the bushes. Why? I, there is some downside when it comes to these animals, whether it is scaring people or whether it is damage that they can cause, but they have an upside. And their upside overweighs their downside. What's the advantage of Chazal allowing us to have these sorts of pets? Because they clean out the house. Cleaning out the house doesn't mean because you're a dirty person. Cleaning out the house means that there's mice and there's other rodents that the cats and the weasels eat up. So that is a benefit to Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. So you can have them. My what's called bush weasels, Amar of Yehuda, creeping, digging animals. The Ikeda Amri, other people say that Chuldai Sinayim is Charza. Charza means that they are stinging animals. Some people say it refers to a porcupine. The ktine shakye, whose legs are very small. And veraya, and they pasture, they feed themselves, beni vardine, in between the bushes. My shirza, what's the meaning of shirza? Says the gemara, the metatai shakye, that their legs are under their bodies. In other words, when you have certain animals that their legs are so skinny, and they're under the bodies that when they walk, they look like a sheditz. They look like a creeping animal. So again, let's go with the porcupine. You're allowed to raise them. It's good to know. That when we came to it to Bavel, and they, there were so many Yidin that settled in Bavel, so Rav imported this takana also to Bavel. That ein ma'gadlan behemadaka. Again, it's not that Yishu Bavel is the mitzvah of Yishu Eretz Yisrael, but the logic is the same. People are living over here. And you had great yeshivas there. And you wanted other people to move into the Jewish community. When people will know that there won't be any animals damaging or eating up their crops, that's a motive for them to move there. And we always want to expand the Yishu of Yidin. Amalei Rav Adah Barahava Lirav. One second. Now that we know that Rav, Huna, that Rav made, brought this decree of Ein Magad Lamehemadaka Babavol, Rav Huna, as we said a few times just that recently, Rav Huna Nach was the Mamalamakim of Rav. Whether Kishita Stoisvis, it was Rav, Rav Huna, and Rav Hamnuna, 
or whether it was Rav and then Rav Hamnuna Saba and then Rav Huna, but Rav Huna had small domesticated animals. So he asked him, who gave you permission to do so? Omar Leh, he responded that, the, that my small animals my wife Chayva, she watches them. Now, in the Mishnah we learn that in Eretz Yisrael, we learn Taisus, you can't be Megadal Behemadaki even if you keep them locked in your house. Or as we had today in the story, that he tied the goat to the bed. And still that was not like the Shitas Chachamim. But here we're speaking about Babel. In Babel, evidently, Rav did not make the decree exactly mirror the decree in Eretz Yisrael. Don't raise them if they're going to graze outdoors. Rafuna says, my animals are always being watched by my wife, Chayva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. So, Amalei, so Rav Ada Barahava tells Rafuna, this is a terrible statement, and he didn't mean anything bad with it. But he said, Chayva tikperinu libna, is Chayva burying your children? Meaning, you have children. If your wife is constantly busying herself by making sure that your small animals don't go run outside and steal from other people, so that means that she's not spending that time being mechanach the kids. Is she burying her children? The problem is, is that since a tzaddik, which was Rav Ado Barahava, said the words, Chayva will bury her children, like Rabbeinu Hananel says, it was Kishgaga Shiyot We had this many times. It's like an erroneous edict issuing from the mouth of a ruler, and it had an effect. And Kula Shneid Rav Ada Barahava, as long as Rav Ada Barahava was alive, Leikayim Zadal Rafuna Mechayva. Rafuna did not have any sons that lived. It could be they were born, but then they passed away young from his wife Chayva. Ika the Amri other people say that Omar Rav Huna says Rav Huna. The Bach takes out the words Omar Rav that Asinu Atzmenu Bebavel. That we behaved in Babel like, similar to, not exactly the same, similar to the decree that they had in Eretz Yisrael, that Eid Megadl Mehemadaka. Why? So Rafuna was the one that explained, This happened from when Rav came to Babel. Bechal Shmuel was first in Narda, that Yeshiva was there first. When Rav came to Surah, Rav founded a Yeshiva there. And many Talmidim came over there to Surah. And that's what he's referring to, that from when Rav came to Babel, so now you have Narda and you have Sura, and all the great Talmud HaChachamim that were there already from the end of the Zman by Yisrishon, so they started to enact certain Takanas as they did in Eretz Yisrael. Continues the Gemara, starting with a fascinating story. Rav and Shmuel and Avasi, these three great Amaroim, Iklu, they all came together, they all met outside Lebei Shavua Haben to a home that was celebrating a Shavua Haben. What's a Shavua Haben? Says Rashi, five lines from the bottom of the Amid. Here, there's just one opinion. Shavua Haben says Rashi Brismila. Interesting, even though Shavua is a week, but the Brismila, the eighth day is after seven days. Al Shem Shavru Olav Shivas Shiva Yamin. So they were gathering to someone's bris, or back in the Gemara, the last line of Amri Law, that they gathered outside a home of someone who was celebrating Lebei Yeshua Haben. What's Yeshua Haben? So here we have a Machlekes Rashi Toisvis. Rashi says, you know, when it says in Parshas B'Shalach, Vayoysha Hashem, as B'nai Yisrael, Vayoyesh Hashem Vayemohu as B'nai Yisrael Miyad Mitzrayim what we say in Davening so the Targum says Vayoyesha as salvation so Rashi says Targum says that Ufrak Hashem Ufrak Purkan Pidyon in Lashem Kodesh Pidyon Haben is also translated as Purkan in Aramish so, so when it says Yeshua Vayoyesha salvation it's Kilof A equals B and if C equals B, then A equals C. No, it's Vayoysha is Purkan. Pidyon is Purkan. So Rashi teaches Lebe Yeshua Haben, Pidyon Haben. Toysavah says, very nice with your A and your Bs, but Yeshua Haben means salvation, and Pidyon means to redeem. So Yeshua doesn't mean to redeem. So Toysavah writes in the last Toysavah in the Amid, very interesting, that since when a child is born, you can say that the child was saved 
from being confined in the mother's womb. Quoting, look in the last line in Taisvus and the Yamid, a pasuk in Yeshaya, where it says, "Vihim lita zachar," and the male shall be saved. So it was customary, aside of the Brisvilam, aside of the Pidyan Aben, to make a, a Su'udas Mitzvah to celebrate that the son was saved. Now here you have in the Achrenim two opinions. You have the Noidibi Yehuda in a Sefer Dagur Melavava. He writes that this is what we call today in Yiddish Vachnach, or what the Svartim call Bris Yitzchak, that the Su'udah that is served the night before the Bris comes from this Yeshua Haben. It's the child celebrating that he was saved from the mother's womb. However, the Ramah quotes from the Truma Sadeshin that this refers to the Shalom Zacher. Good to remember. So there's a source of Shalom Zacher here in this story, but it was called Bismanehem Yeshua Haben. Now, these three great Amaraim, they converge together. And the question is, who is going to enter the house first? So let me just say this by heart. There was a tragic story that happened between Rav and Shmuel, we learned this in Masech the Shabbos. And we'll speak out the story in a moment. And Rav took upon himself that even though Rav was greater, Rav was the leader, that when him and Shmuel will come to a place together, Shmuel should not enter last. Now the Havamina was only that if there were three people coming together, then Shmuel should not be the third. The Havamina was that if it's only Rav and Shmuel, then, then Rav can go before him and that wasn't against that hachlata that he made. Later were clarified that Rav meant that whenever him and Shmuel come together, he will never allow Shmuel to walk in after him. Now, Rav Asi was the Talmud of Rav, but Rav Asi was greater than Shmuel. So here there was a catch-22. The normal order should have been the Rebbe first, Rav first, then the Talmud, Rav Asi. Rav Asi is greater than Shmuel, then Shmuel. But Rav already took upon himself that to give more honor, to compensate to Shmuel, He's not going to allow Shmuel going last. So they all got stuck. So says the Gemara, Rav Layal Kameh Shmuel, as we'll explain in a moment, Rav didn't want to enter before Shmuel. Da'af Peyam at base. Shmuel Layal Kameh Ravasi. Shmuel did not want to enter before Ravasi, like we explained, because Ravasi was greater than Shmuel. Ravasi Layal Kameh Rav. Ravasi couldn't enter before Rav, because Rav was the Rebbe of Ravasi. So Amri, so they said amongst themselves, my Nisrach, the solution would be that one will wait outside. He'll come in later. So it's not pshad that one entered before the other. If one is waiting outside, he's like out of the loop. So they decided, Nirsach Shmuel, let Shmuel wait outside. Because the Havamina was that the problem was that only Shmuel should not, en- should not enter after Rav if he's the last, if he's the third. So let him be outside. So now you have only two people entering, which is Rav and Avasi. Here there's no problem. Rav is the Rebbe, Avasi is the student, Rav enters first. And when they say Rav and Avasi, one second, why is that a solution? Why not Venisrach Rav, why couldn't Rav wait outside? And if Rav would have waited outside, then who would go in there? Rav Asi and Shmuel. Rav Asi would go before Shmuel. Or Rav Asi, let Rav Asi wait outside, and who would enter? Rav and then Shmuel. Again, the Havamina was that if it's only Rav and Shmuel, then it wouldn't be a problem for Shmuel to enter after Rav. So the Gemara says, no, 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 it doesn't work out that way. Because Rav, Nilsa, Baal, Mahuda, Abed, Leda, Shmuel, Rav was performing a special gesture for Shmuel, in which even if it's only Rav and Shmuel, Rav never wanted to enter before Shmuel, because of the story that Rashi quotes from Shabbos, Dav Kuvches, Delatiei, Adberei, Rav Alei, that he cursed Shmuel. What happened that he cursed Shmuel? Shmuel was a doctor, Kiyodur. And Rav was ill. And Shmuel, to help Rav, and not wanting to do it in a, in a modest way, he sent him a medicine, but no one knew that Shmuel sent it. When Rav took the medicine, the, the immediate reaction towards that medicine was that whatever that was bothering Rav bothered him even more. Now, at the end, it healed him. But he didn't know that. He didn't know who the doctor is. And Rav from Spain cursed the doctor. And that doctor had an effect that Shmuel had no sons. Again, another story with no sons. And we talked learned about Brate the Shmuel. Remember that? We, we, that they got kidnapped. You learned that in Ksubis. Shmuel had no sons. And when Rav discovered that Shmuel was the doctor, he took upon himself that he will never allow Shmuel to enter after him. So Bekit said, that was the problem and that was the solution. So to give honor to Shmuel, ironically, Shmuel B'chal waited outside. But he didn't enter then. So Rav and Avasi, Rav went before Avasi. 
you know, as all this deliberation is happening, also Shunra, they noticed how a cat came, and Kate Liyodid the Yanuk and the cat uh, cut or bit, damaged a hand of an infant. So when Rav saw how a cat has this aggressive feature in it, Nafik Rav Darash, Rav expounded. And that you see the Hashgacha Pratis of these great Sadiqim debating who should enter first. Had they entered, they wouldn't have noticed it and Rav wouldn't have made his enactment. Now that they were outside deciding, you go first, you go first, I go first, you go first. Rav saw what the cat did and he said, Chatul Mutter Larga, you are allowed to kill cats, even though if they don't belong to you. So Toysvis, the second Toysvis has a Gavaldic question. We're going to learn in Masech the Sanhedrin, a sheet of Rav Eliezer, and look read inside Toysvis, that for her, the Amr Ishlakish, Rashlakish, limited that which we learn in the first Pedic in Sanhedrin, that it says from Rabbi Eliezer, that an Ari, and a Namid, and a Doiv, and a Ze'ev, and a Bardalus, and a Nachash, all these wild, dangerous animals, that even though Rabbi Eliezer said, Kol HaKoydim Lahar Goizacha, whoever kills them first gets the Schus, says Reish Lakish, that's only if we know that that wolf killed the person in the past. So if, even Rabbi Eliezer, that allows us to kill these wild animals only allow me to kill a wild animal if it doesn't belong to me, if I know that it killed another human being. How can Rav, when it comes to a Ketzalah, say whoever kills a cat is allowed to do it, even though the cat didn't, you don't know if this cat killed anyone? So Teisvis gives a Gavaldika answer. Teisvis says that when do you have to know that that wolf killed another human being for you to be allowed to kill him? That's because that wolf right now is bound they were bound with a chain. So since it's harder for them to be mazik, even though Rabbi Eliezer says, Kol says, that's only if you know they killed before another person. Once they tasted human blood, you got to kill them. Here, a cat no one ties with a chain. And a cat has in it this wild streak, this dangerous streak. They're really, they're lions in the miniature. And therefore, Rabbi felt that they're dangerous creatures, and Tosus gives another answer that when it comes to the Ari and the Nomer and the Doiv and the Zeiz and the Bartles and the Nachish, people who see them know instinctively, oh, I got to be careful from that. People go away from them. You see a snake, you run away. But when you see a cat, cat fools you. Oi, Ketzele, kill the cat. And, and, and then he said, You're not allowed to keep it. And the Ein by Mishum Gazel, you kill it. You're not called a thief. If you find a lost cat and you don't return it, you kill it, you're not violating the mitzvah of returning a lost article. So now the Gemara wants to clarify all of these statements of Rav. Once Rav says you're allowed to kill a cat, why did he have to add the words? You're not allowed to own it. If I have the right to kill your cat because it's a mazik, of course I cannot own my own cat. Says the Gemara, you would have thought, I'm allowed to kill it. But Isura Leka, okay, allowed to kill it doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to own it. Kamash Mulan, even more, no, no, you're not, it's forbidden to own a cat. They asked, again, once he said there isn't a violation of theft, when you go and kill someone else's cat, why did he have to add, it's Hefker. If he gave you the right to kill it, it doesn't belong to anyone. In other words, if he would have said that I would have thought that if I was the one that killed the cat and I, and I, and I took away the damage from the public then I get to keep you know, the remains, the corpse and, and the hide, the skin of the cat but if I find a dead cat maybe the, 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 the skin belongs to the owner so Rav says even if you find a dead cat you can take the hide, you can take the skin we just learned in Abraisam that Rabshim ben Gamliel and very good point, very good point, that um, we had Rabshim. Now, if you go back to Daf Peish, let me look in the Mesoira Sashas, and Itake amends it. You see in the side, in the first white line it says Rabbi Shmuel Oimer, Daf Peish Amadalaf, and on the side it says Lekaman Amad Beis Isa Rabshim ben Olazar. Good. So, Bekitz, according from this Braisam, whether it is Rabbi Shmuel or here Rabbi Shem ben Elazar says, kufrim. You are allowed to raise either the miniature dogs or the hunting dogs, the chatulim and cats, 
the kaifin and monkeys, the chuldas and naim and bush weasels. Why? Because they have this benefit that they eat up the mice, they eat up the rodents. So can you own a cat? Or is it a mitzvah to kill someone else's cat? Ah, gives the Gemara no the Pasha to answer, like Hashi. Depends if it's a black cat or a white cat. You should have known that. If it's a black cat, that's in the Brai. So black cats are not wild cats. Even though in Brachas, when we speak about Shadim with cats, Stavka, Bacharta, that's black. The daughter of the mother, that's a black cat. Superstition is one parasha. We're speaking about Pasha, are they Mazikim? When, when, once, when Rav, when Rav, it's about the bris. When Rav, when, uh, that's with demons. When Rav was the one, doesn't make a difference. When Rav says you can kill a cat, it's bichibara when the cat is white. Says the Gemara, yeah, no. The story of Rav, when he noticed while he was debating with his colleagues who should enter last, he saw a cat damaging a child. That cat was black. Says the Gemara, yeah, of course. Hasam Ukma, it was a black cat, but it was the son, the parent was white. Bar Chivara Hava. Fregdi Gemara, Vahami Boy, Mi Boy, Le Ravino. Ravino was the one that asked the question. The boy Ravino, the first white line, Dafayamid Bays. Ukma Bar Chivra Mahu. What about a black, the son of a white? He asked that question, do you have to kill it or not? And now we just said, yeah, that was the story of, of Rav. Of course you have to kill a black cat if one of the parents were white. Or maybe if the mother was white. So, ki kami baile le ravino, clarifies the gemara. When did the ravina have a question whether a black cat is dangerous? That's if the cat is black, it's the son of a white cat, but the babe was black. So, so the white might be an anomaly. But over here, maisa the rav, you know, it's there, the ravina has a question. The story of rav was when the cat was black, but both the mother and the grandmother were white. Today, the words that you say, with the black and the white, we shouldn't create riots. But that the kid said, if there's any, if there's a black cat, the son of a white, the anical, the baba was white, ooh, then Nav says, you have to kill the cat. So who are the wild ones? The wild ones are the white ones. The black ones are the good ones. We're good. The black ones are great, yeah? Because the Gemara says it. We didn't mention it for us because to take away the suspense if you know the end of the story before you begin. Now here you have in the Gemara, Chasidei Chabad, we are over here in the Gemara. Chabad, Bich, Bechein, Simen. Just to explain what this means, we're going to have a certain statement. And it was made by people that came from the Papa family. But just to remember the three versions, look how important it is to say Oimer, Davar, B'Shem, Oimerai, to remember Three different versions of who said the following statement. So one has the version of Chabad, one of Bich, and one of Bechein. What's the Chabad? You'll notice like this. Don't look at the first letter. They're very similar. It's either Aleph or Ches or Cross. But look at the second letter of every word. Look inside the Gemara. The third line. Omer of Acha. You see that? What's the second letter? Acha. Aleph Ches. Bar Papa. In the name of Abba. Bar Papa. Right, the second letter is Beis. In the name of Rav Ado Bar Papa. That's the Chabad. That's the Chabad. Other people say, the next one is going to be Bich. What's Bich? Omar Rav Abba Bar Papa. Second letter is Beis. Bishum Rav Chia. The second letter. We're not looking at the first. We're looking at the is Yud Bar Papa. In the name of Rav Acha Bar Papa. That's the Bich. And Bechain is V'amrilah Rav Abba Bar Papa. In the name of Acha Bar Papa. In the name of Hanina Bar Papa. So be that as it may, Either Chabad or Bich or Bechein say the following. Masriin ala We cry out over scratchings on Shabbos. What does that mean? First of all, crying out. Rashi says, Machlekes Rashi Toysus, that takes us back to Masech Tainus, that both Anenu may be said on Shabbos when there's a terrible calamity to the community. We'll see soon what scratchings mean. But that is enough of a bad thing that we can cry out on Shabbos and Rashi adds and you can blow the shofar. Toysvis argues Masriyam alachichuch Toysvis says it can be that they allowed blowing of the shofar but still the fact that they allowed us to say Aneinu normally on Shabbos we don't ask for individual needs we don't cry out on Shabbos but for these things you do cry out on Shabbos 
So whether it is with the shayfid or without the shayfid, you could cry out for chichuch, as will be explained. And another statement, the delis, hanin elis, once a door is closed, it doesn't speedily open up. And as Rashi says, obviously tefillah has the power to overcome everything, but as will be explained, what that means, once the door is closed, it doesn't speedily open up. If there's very strong prayer, it will still, it will open up. And the third thing he said is, that if a person buys a house in Eretz Yisrael, remember the word Oinai? means a shtar, you can write the document on Shabbos. Now each one has to be explained. On the first, it says, recording here from a Bryson Tainis, old of the series of fast days, whether you could cry out on Shabbos. So it says over there, that other types of calamities that gather and come upon the community, for example, clearly, means certain types of boils that break out on people's skin, an epidemic that causes people to scratch their skin, or chagav, a certain type of locust that harms people. Zvuv, tzira, v'yatush, place flies, wasps, mosquitoes, if the Zika virus, v'shiluach l'chashem v'aknavim, if there is a dispatching of many uh, snakes and scorpions. So the Braisa says, lo yehoyum asriyim, you're not allowed to cry out, ela, soy akim, you can only shout. And we learned in Tainas, what's crying or shouting? Crying out, masriyim is b'tzibur. And Tzoyakin means individually. You can cry it individually. But the problem is that it says in that Braisa that you can't be Masriyan on Chichuch. Explains the Gemara. Khan, the Braisa, is speaking about boils that are lach, that are moist. And they are not life-threatening. Takets an epidemic, could even be contagious. And Tefillah overcomes everything. So for that, since it's not dangerous, okay, privately cry out, but don't gather Khan, here, Chabad, Bich, or Bechain, they said that Biyavish, that if the boils are dry in the inside, they are dangerous. They can cause infections, and God forbid, people can lose their lives. that the boils, the Makashchin, even though they were Lachmi Bachoz, they were moist on the outside, which normally is a lesser dangerous type of boil. But the Yavish Mibifnim, they were dry on the inside. Shinamar, as it says, quoting a Pasik and Parshas Vo'eda, Vayihi Shchin Ababois, Poireach Ba'adam Ababahimam. And, in other words, they were erupting. So that's where you know that they were moist from the outside. Because it was erupting, but it was dry from the inside. The next statement that was made was that that a door that closes doesn't open up very quickly. What does that refer to? That if a person wants to get smicha, so a door opens up for them. If for whatever reason they don't get it, it's going to be very hard for them to get it later. And Avashi adds, and we're going to learn the Marshan side, that Ravashi adds and clarifies this statement, it's not a new statement, that kol hameri inloi, whenever something bad happens to a person in a certain area, in other words, when someone is treated badly in a certain area, he won't have things in that area happen to him good very quickly. So explains the Marshan, I'm going to read it inside, he writes like this, he says, Ravashi is just expounding that which we learned before. I'm reading inside the Marsha. And Ravashi says, We find in many places that the sages did not want to be in the position of leadership. And when they were not given the position of leadership, they were happy. Because they were happy. And that kol if a person was not given a position of leadership, but he took it in a negative way, he felt, wow, you know, something bad happened to me. I didn't get that lofty position. And a person who yachshav, a person who thinks, knows the guy is a covet seeker, and he considers it bad that he didn't get covered, so he won't get covered so quickly. As it says, Whoever runs after the position of leaderships, leadership runs away from him. You're running after covet, covet runs away from you. So that's the meaning that if a person was looking to get uh, covet, 
and he didn't get it, he's not going to get it that quick. Back in the Gemara. Omar Rav Hamidifta Omar Lo Oilam Ein Mativ and Loi that he'll never have it good for him. Not Loi B'Mehera, but it will never come back to him. It's not true because Rav Acha Midifti Milsa De Nafshihu Da Amar. Rav Achi was only sharing his experience. The Gemara is making a statement. It's he lost a certain position and he never got it. Not Loibi Mehera got it. He never got it. But normally you might get it at the end, but it's not going to come back to you so quickly. The third statement that was made, whoever buys a home in Israel, you can write the document of sale, even on Shabbos. You think you can write on Shabbos? Writing on Shabbos is one of the Lama Tesmolachs. It's You can't write a document. Just like Rav said in another case, that that it's referring to Amir Lonachri, Telling a guy to do something for us is asr midrabanan, but sometimes we are allowed to do so. Hachinami, what was meant that you can write a sale document and buying property in Eretz Yisrael that oimer lenachri va'isa that you can tell a guy to write it? And va'afla gavda mira lenachri shvusi, even though telling a guy on Shabbos proper to do something that we are not allowed to do is asr midrabanan. Nevertheless, mishum yishuv Eretz Yisrael in order. For us to be able to settle the land of Israel, and here we have a famous machlekes in Yishonim. If you want to quickly look inside the last Tosfos on the Amid, so Tosfos emphasizes that vidafka. You see the Tosfos mishum mitzvah zu the Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. This hetter amida lenachri letzorech mitzvah is only for the great mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Avol Tosfos says letzorech mitzvah cheres. But if it comes to other mitzvahs, Shitas Tosfos, Loishani Amira Lenachri, and Vafilu Lotzorech Mila, you're not Mater Amira Lenachri in the areas that you would not be allowed to do. Obviously, by Bris Mila, the Mila itself is Doich Shabbos Vechulin, and that's one of the sources. We the, the bottom line is the Alter Rebbe is very Machmir and Amira Lenachri. The Alter Rebbe, not Lotzorech Mitzvah, but Bechlal the concept. You know, there's two ways of looking at it. One way is words of the Gemara Shvusi. But we also have in Chazal another concept that even though ain't shlichus lenachri, but lechumra yesh shlichus lenachri, and we dalt Rebbe paskins that lamira lenachri is usher because we consider the guy your shliach, which makes it much worse. But if the guy is not your shliach, it's not me doing it. Chachamim said I can't tell the guy nonetheless shvus. But if you look at it as my shliach. It's worse, and therefore we're more machmir. But yes, there are exceptions, and one of the exceptions would be Lutzayrach Mitzvah. One of the sources is Bavakama Pei. And just to remember that Tois was holds, Lutzayrach Mitzvah only means Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Let's go back in the Gemara. Omar, write three lines from the bottom. Omar, Rabbi Yishmol, Banachmeni, in the name of Rabbi Yenison. That if a person buys a city in Israel, now we're talking big, you're not buying a house. Buying a city, that Chazal decreed that he has to make a road on every side of the city. Because cities are living things and we want cities in Israel to grow. And roads promote growth. Because the easier people, the easier time people will have to access the city with all of the services that it provides, the more attractive the city will be. And the city will grow in the direction of the road. Make a road on all four sides. Mishum Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. If you have the money to buy the city, this is the logic here of the government now, uh, pay more. What we, today we tell the government. Oh, good. Right, let's start in Usugi, even though it's getting late, but let's begin. So, we mentioned this already in today's daf. We were taught in Abraisa that there were ten regulations that were instituted for the orderly and amicable settlement of Eretz Yisrael. And they were all enacted by Yeshua. That Asara, Tanoim, Hisna, Yeshua, Yeshua stipulated ten conditions when he divided the land. Afpei, Aleph, number one. Let's learn some of them. Shiyu, Marin, Bachay, Russian. We learned this today. That a person should be allowed to pasture his or her animals even in other people's private forests very unlike allowing my animals to pasture in other people's fields. 
That is a very bad thing. There is a, there's a tremendous loss. And that led Chazal to make the decree that Ein Megadlon Behei Madaka Beretz Yisrael B'makim Yishuv. But when it comes to a forest, they, that, uh, the owner of a forest cannot stop someone else from having their animals pasture in that forest. That's number one. Number two, Umelaktim Eitzim Besodiseim that anyone should have the right to gather wood from other people's fields. More details of all these takanas later. Gathering wood, obviously I cannot destroy other people's trees. But I can go and gather some wood. Number three, umelaktim asavim I'm allowed, I'm allowed to gather grass, again, from every place, even from other people's fields. Chutzmi tilson. So first of all, when it comes to tilson, which is something that we learned in Alem Brachis, there's a machlekes rishonim, Maybe, if tilson is a herb, if tilson is a legume, if tilson is a spice, whatever tilson is, tilson benefits from the grass around it. Now, tilson, I'm not allowed to gather. It's a legume. I can't, you're sure, they're not allowing me to take your produce, only to take grass. But if the grass that is around your tilson, which is, and it is, beneficial for your tilson, that grass, I'm not allowed to pick. Number four, the koitmen netiois. I'm allowed to cut shoots from any place, similar to gathering wood. So Rashi teaches, if you see the sixth line in Rashi, Rashi says like this, that when people had olive trees and they stopped producing properly, you would cut it down. Interestingly, that would, make the, that would stimulate the tree to regrow even better. But when you cut down your olive tree, you left two egg reifim, which means you left the stump was two fistfuls tall. And when that began to give off shoots, if someone were to pick off those shoots, it would damage the olive tree. So again, Yeshua didn't make takanas that I have the right to be mazikum. But it's, it's not also zenehen of zelechaser. It means you would prefer to have all the grass for yourself, but it's, it's beneficial for the collective Everyone has the right to take some of what is in other people's fields as long as it doesn't mamish damage it. Let's hop on in one more number five and then we'll leave the other five for tomorrow, Mir Hashem. And number five, Umayin that when you have a newly issued spring of water, everyone is allowed to get water from that spring even though it's coming out in someone's private property. Again, every single thing here will have to be further clarified. How do I get to that spring? So today we finished with five. Emirates Hashem tomorrow will learn the other five enactments.